SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy hour here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Kevin Walsh out in New York City. I'm Ariel Epstein here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. A lot to get to in this hour. We're going to go through the NBA Finals as Game 5 is tomorrow night. We also have Major League Baseball on the slate, a full slate of games in action. And we're going to close out the show with one of the best, one of the sharpest out in Las Vegas. It's Yanni the Greek. NBA Finals, West Coast wake up. Here we go with joining in for the uh, Phoenix Suns as we've got the head coach, Monty Williams, and I'm interested to get what Kevin's thoughts are. Monty Williams spoke out about what Game 5 means to this team. They're putting a lot of pressure on us, and we're doing the same thing with them. Uh, it's two good teams. We're 2-2. Like, that's, that's the deal. Uh, that's what I told our guys. We put ourselves in this position. we got home court advantage. Um, I, I foresee him playing like that for the rest of the series. Well, they've got the home court advantage. It does put them at a bigger advantage going up 3-2. Kevin, it's all about the break point. Who's going to get the win on the road? How much could you see it being the Bucks in Game 5? Ultimately, I think it's going to be difficult for Milwaukee. The difference in these teams is Milwaukee was 20-16 and 16 on the road this season. The... Phoenix Suns have the best road record in the NBA, 12 games over 500. So that's the big concern here for Milwaukee. See, the Bucs are not going to walk into this game and even win this game and be some guarantee to then close this series back at home. Phoenix would be the team based on what we've seen from these two squads throughout the regular and postseason that you would anticipate having a better chance to grab a road victory. So I'll just add this, Ariel, to the discussion here. Even if Milwaukee wins this game number five, this series is not over by any stretch of the imagination. With what Monty Williams said and about how they're applying pressure on us, the Bucks were down 2 nothing in this series with the Suns. The Suns had the home court advantage. They get out to the early lead. What is it to be said about the coaching of Monty Williams, Kev, going on the road and not even able to pick up one win? It's a tough thing to do, Ariel. In the NBA Finals, you're getting a team's absolute best punch. It's a team that's been in that spot time and time again here. Monty Williams did an excellent job all season long with this group here continue to keep them in the right headspace look if Devin Booker isn't playing that game with a lot of foul trouble this could have been a 3-1 game this is the thing about game number four that it seems like it might be getting a little bit lost in the shuffle because it didn't come down to one buzzer beating made shot or maybe just because Milwaukee covered this was a game that was tied with a minute and 40 seconds remaining on the clock this was no comfortable milwaukee win 
or cover. They were a couple of missed free throws away from not even covering that number. So I would say, in a way, Ariel, we have seen from Phoenix look the more threatening side on the road as well. We are going to have to welcome in our radio audience in a second, but there is some news surfacing around the NBA that is going to be very concerning for people on the West Coast, especially if you like the Portland Trailblazers. Um, Damian Lillard has some news circulating around him, which it has for most of the season. Welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience, third final hour here on the morning after. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Kevin Walsh today, I'm Ariel Epstein. There's rumors circulating about Damian Lillard, the star of the Portland Trailblazers. Despite him playing a role in hiring their new head coach, Lillard is expected to request a trade in coming days. Multiple reports about this. Henry Abbott of True Hoop. I'm seeing the score posted. Just a bunch of different outlets from around the NBA. Kev, how much are you buying into Damian Lillard requesting a trade in the next few days? Massive buy. Massive buy. Damian Lillard right now at Team USA around other superstars in this league. Be encouraged by his peers. Listen, man, you've done it all. You've done it all for that organization. Time is now. You need to go out there and put yourself in a better position to win. And it might be better for Portland because I'm not sure they can put a legitimate winning roster around him. I was also kind of wondering, Ariel, if we were going to get to this here because when it doesn't come from the desk of Warjanowski or Shamsharania or Chris Haynes, there's always a little bit of a hesitancy here. But this is starting to circulate around Henry Abbott with the preliminary report. There's some other news about potentially the teams that could be on the list. I won't go as far as to say who said that because you don't know how credible the source is. I'll just say the list. Knicks, Lakers, Heat, and Warriors makes a lot of sense to me. Big markets, le legitimate players that he could play alongside there. Things that could be potentially attractive to Damian Lillard. This is the NBA. Whenever you think, oh, things are calm. No, they're not. I had a conversation with someone just to put this into perspective. Now, these NBA finals have been excellent, but this was before we got there. And the person said to me, I cannot wait for this NBA season to be over so the real season can begin. Referring to the offseason, the intensity does always pick up in the NBA. I absolutely, if you want to carry over, buy or sell, Ariel, I am buying that Damian Lillard is about to say deuces to Portland. Another game we love to play here on the show is Guess the Line. Next, we are going to talk about the NBA Finals and what our best bets going into the Finals are. However, Kev, I want to take this Damian Lillard conversation to the next level. During the commercial break, I want you to set the line. I want you to guess the odds for where Damian Lillard is going to go next. You better write it down on a piece of paper. Kevin's going to set the line. He's going to turn on his inner John Sheeran. Stay here on the grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. Sometimes winning just comes down to it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204, with Kevin Walsh in New York City. I'm Ariel Epstein here at the FanDuel Sportsbook in the Meadowlands. I'm really excited because we had this news kind of with the NBA regarding Damian Lillard, the star of the Blazers, that he may be requesting a trade in coming days. The question now is, where is he going next? I have Kevin setting the lines on the Colorado Sportsbook on FanDuel. A lot of the time they allow you to bet on a team's next a player's next team. Kevin, I told you, turn on your your tr director of trading hat. Where are you setting the lines at for where Damian Lillard's going next? So on the spot, we kind of pieced this together here. I went with the top four teams, and I got two teams to watch. Here's how we start this thing off. The Blazers would remain the favorites. I put them at plus 125. I don't think you can go oh. minus money because I do believe that this is going to be a situation that Portland might realize is best for them. Fan base can't be mad at them. He wanted out. Yes, they'll be a little bit mad that you didn't maybe put a better team around Damian Lillard. And you are not a real contender as you are currently constructed and probably don't have the ability to raise yourself to that real contender status unless you blow it up by moving Damian Lillard. But almost always a player's favorite outcome is who they're actually on. The second choice, not on the rumored Damian Lillard list, the Philadelphia 76ers, plus 220. The Homer, 76ers Homer, Homer. and Benson. No, 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 no. We all know what this is. This is the Ben Simmons thing. And also, this is a team that would do whatever it takes to make this move happen, plus the ability to give Portland a piece that they could still try and say puts them in not a full tank mode, I think is going to be attractive. The next team to me, the Golden State Warriors on the list. The Warriors are still building up a legitimate war chest of assets. Multiple picks in the lottery this year. They have legitimately rehabilitated the value of a Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, the second overall pick from next year, and whatever else they want. Steph Curry is another name to watch under this same guideline here. Golden State will do whatever it takes to bring Dame into town. The last choice to me, I don't know if they have the assets, but if he wants to be there and you're setting lines and you want to be careful, it's the New York Knicks at plus 350. Because if the Knicks can get Damian, the Knicks should give them whatever to get Damian Lillard. Whoever. Damian Lillard would be the best player to wear that jersey in quite some time. Would make sure that well, they not, not only you're remain You're not giving up Julius Randle. You're not giving up Julius Randle. Oh. You probably don't want to give well, up no, R.J. No, 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 Barrett. No, no, no. Who would you be willing you to give, give up, up if Barrett, you're the Knicks? I'll give you R.J. Okay, Barrett. You I have to give you R.J. Barrett. I have to. Okay. Like, it, here's the thing, Ariel. If the Knicks find out that they held on to R.J. Barrett, and didn't get Damian Lillard, they're going to quickly realize that that was an insane move to make. And that's not slander to R.J. Barrett. I think R.J. Barrett's a really nice player. Damian Lillard's a well, top 10 player package? in the league. Well, what's the trade package? Because R.J. Barrett's not enough. So, he, so this is what is ultimately so difficult about making these odds aside from the fact that we're doing it on the fly. Damian Lillard and his list couldn't be less important he has a new contract ariel that hasn't even started yet 
He just, he has a four-year max that's about to start. How is he going to, oh, well, I'm not going to play basketball for three years? Yeah, right. Whoever trades for him has plenty of control with that contract to take that swing. And that's why two legitimate sleepers, markets that typically couldn't bring in a Damian Lillard, the Denver Nuggets, I threw him at plus 800, the New Orleans Pelicans at 12 to 1. Zion took two years to do what it took Anthony Davis seven to do. Ooh, I don't like this situation. Time to get me out of here. They have seven gazillion picks from the Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis trades, and you want to get a superstar? Damian Lillard's right there for the taking. I cannot wait to see how this plays out. We'll see how your odds end up panning out with maybe potential odds that we actually get on FanDuel. In case you're trying to scramble around and see where you could bet this, it's just made-up lines that I made Kevin make up. Let's go to real lines. We've got real <laughs> lines on the NBA Finals for Game 5. We're going to go to NBA Prime Time. Prime! Kev, the favorite part of being here at the FanDuel Sportsbook is I can go and bet whenever I want, whatever I want. And I already put in two bets for this game, and they are both props. First, let me set the scene. We've got the Phoenix Suns at home laying four points. The total, it's been at 218.5 since it opened. The props that I'm leaning towards, forward, Mikael Bridges. Uh, for the Suns, I'm going over 10.5 points. He's averaging just over 13 points per game in this series. Although Bridges hasn't been playing as well in Milwaukee, he played really well at home this year, especially in the first two games of the playoffs. He went over his points prop in both of those games. He went over it to the point that the points prop went up from 10.5 to 11 and a half to then 13 and a half on FanDuel. I bet him over all three times. It hit in the first two. I'm going to go over here now that he's back at home, now that the prop is back where it was going into game one of the finals at 10 and a half. Lastly, I'm going with Cam Johnson over nine and a half for his points prop. He's averaging just under 11 points per game in this series. He's gone over this number in seven of his last nine. Those are two role players on the Suns that if the Suns do cover the spread and they win this game outright, those are the role players that need to step up their game, Kev. I absolutely love it. You know, the, the the Suns going back home as well, I think Ariel should give you that added boost of confidence in the other players. We know this to be true in the NBA. Stars typically travel. Role players, sometimes it can depend on the building. They can feed off of the home crowd. I like both of those plays. Where are you going in this game, Kev? Whether it's side, total, props, what do you like the most? So I agree with Liv Moods. I do think coming back around on this over 218.5 makes a lot of sense, and I have no issue with anybody that wants to narrow it down to a team total on the Suns at 111.5 towards the over. I think their offense will come back. Under the same guideline, Chris Paul needs to play better. I like points plus assists. It's 30.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I want to bring the assists into the fold here. Under the same what Ariel was just talking about, right? The different players that can step up, whether that be Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, Campaign, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul facilitating, not only getting them in play, also DeAndre Ayton. So I think Chris Paul's assist total comes up. I think his points total comes up. I think you bring those together. Also, I know it's a high number. Giannis over 33 and a half points. Drew Holiday, we're done oh boy. with. Chris Middleton doesn't travel. I'm telling you, Ariel, 
Giannis is going to have to carry that kind of a workload here in game number five. And I trust him, which I can't believe to be the case, where I was viewing Giannis earlier during this postseason. He has figured out postseason basketball, it feels, at least to a degree. I think what we saw from him right in the games two and three, getting to that 40 range is in line. I think 33 and a half for Giannis makes sense here. The way I've been playing Giannis, aside for, as I mentioned yesterday, you would have to put a gun to my head to go and bet that rebounds prop. For the points prop, you can find value at halftime. With Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. in the playoffs, or excuse me, in the NBA Finals, he's been averaging more points in the second half than he is in the first. In the first, he's averaging 13 points. In the second half, averaging just over 19 points in that second half. In every game of the NBA Finals, all four of them, he has scored more points in the second half than he has in the first. You can at least shave off two, three, four points off Giannis's points prop if you just wait to bet him at halftime. Chris Paul, same thing. He's averaging Chris Paul just over 13 points. Per, uh, wait, hold on. Uh, just over. I have it here. Seven. So eight points per. Uh, eight points in the first half for Chris Paul. 13 points in the second half for Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Giannis Antetokounmpo, very public players, wait until halftime to bet them and shave off some points on the points props. Major League Baseball picks coming up next. Stay on the grid. You're listening to Sports News. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Kevin Walsh. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to go to Major League Baseball. That means it's time for props, and we love it's time for gay props. The one K-prop that stands out to me is the starter for the Atlanta Braves, and that's Charlie Morton. He's a right-handed pitcher going up against Tampa Bay. The Rays have the second-highest strikeout rate in baseball, striking out just over 26% of the time. That K-rate also goes up to 20, just over 26% against right-handed pitchers, which is the third-highest in the league. In the last couple of weeks, that strikeout, pro, or that strikeout rate is at the third-highest in baseball as well. Morton has been throwing really well. He's had at least seven strikeouts in five straight starts up against the teams that have a Top 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers. Miami, twice or three times he's faced Miami and had at least seven strikeouts in two of those three games. The Chicago Cubs, he had six strikeouts, and then Miami way earlier in the year, he had nine strikeouts against them. If Morton's strikeout prop is anything above a five and a half or even a six and a half, you take that over. Six and a half to plus money, five and a half minus. I would take that over on Charlie Charlie Morton today for the Atlanta Braves. Where are you going today, Kev? So I think that's a really fun game to play. I think there's a legitimate chance to get the over home in that game. The Atlanta Braves are, I think, going to be, if you're a team total player, you could actually be backing them to the over. And I know, Ronald Acuna Jr., what do you mean here? 
the book have adjusted their numbers down because of the absence to Acuna Jr. There's still some talent in that lineup. Their ballpark has played to the over all season long, and I definitely see a world in which they can start to supply some runs here. The game total is 8.5. I wanted to make this point on K-Props here. It is a market that I have dabbled in throughout different points of this season. But I did something intentionally on the final day of games before we hit the second half. Now, I know maybe you could say, oh, the last day before we hit the break, is that the best sample size? That's not the point. I played seven different baseball games, all within a window, intentionally, looking to find a bet. Different bets, totals, team totals, first fives. I went four and three. I played two strikeout props. I lost both of them in different fashions bad beats on k props i'll leave that up to people to decide they're always going to be close in my opinion so for me ariel i don't know if i personally will get back to the k prop window again but i wanted to make that point that i think baseball is a sport as as most are but really with baseball you can find your lane, whether that be strikeout props or team totals or first fives or even first inning bets, hit props. It is a sport that you can really find your lane where you're comfortable in. K-props for someone like myself right now, I don't feel super comfortable in. But if you're somebody out there that wants to bet these, someone like Ariel, I know you guys bring on mid-major Matt to break these down. They can give you a great edge in those markets. Speaking of mid-major Matt, he did post today some of the trends that have stood out to him in this K-Prop market, and then we'll go into more of these leans on sides and totals. Mid-major Matt posted that these K-Prop trends have been really profitable. Starting pitchers against Houston have had five strikeouts or more in just 32 of 91 games, so not very often. 40 of 48 opposing starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less at Coors Field. 30 of 43 opposing starters have had five strikeouts or less in Kansas City. And lastly, 26 of the last 37 opposing starters have had five strikeouts or less versus Pittsburgh. The Pirates are facing the Mets today, and the Rockies are hosting the Dodgers. Those are two pitchers that you could look to potentially bet some unders on, as long as, of course, you're comfortable with betting some unders. Kev, since you don't love K-Props, where is a game that you see some value? So I'll just add, though, because even if I'm not betting K-Probs, right, we can still talk about those a little bit there. And that's some great insight from mid-major Matt. The Coors Field one's my favorite because it it just makes sense. Opposing pitchers who are not comfortable with that insane ballpark because some of the Rocky starters are my favorite human beings on the planet. Their, their home road splits are the exact opposite of what you would think. Like, Sentinzella goes on the road, miserable. Coors Field, don't worry, I'll lock it down. I know it's important game. Same thing with, like, John Gray. But opposing pitchers enter that ballpark. They're not used to it. They get hit. They get hit. They leave early. You cash under tickets on strikeout props. Those are great, great pieces of insight there, Ariel, that I totally understand why people could be back in the under there. Urias on the mound today for the Dodgers as well. That's a really interesting game there. A total really high as well, 11.5. I know that Dodgers team always packs a punch there, but we've talked about it. The Rockies are actually one of the best home teams in all of baseball. They're a team that I don't like to fade when you enter Coors Field. They're just a different team when they're playing in that ballpark, and that's some great insight there from Triple M. 
I love a total in the Seattle Mariners and Los Angeles Angels game. The overs have been the yeah. most profitable to bet when in Angel Stadium. They're hitting at about 64%. Then you go to the Mariners on the road, who have been hitting the second most overs on the road, 63%. Then I heard Ralph Michaels posted one of his trends of the day, which if I'm on the wrong side of his trend of the day, I usually don't bet it. I'm on the right side this time. Not only have the overs been profitable per team, the overs are profitable for these pitchers. The Mariners pitcher, Chris Chris Flexen, 6-0 over under on the road with a 6.97 ERA. Go to the Andrew Heaney, 12-2 over under when uh, he's on the mound, 5.38 ERA. These pitchers have high ERAs. They're profitable to the over. I'm betting over 8.5 for the total on this uh, Mariners and Angels game in addition to the over 4.5 runs in the first five innings, Kev. I love it. I love it. I'm also this um, second half of the season very likely going to be looking to focus in on a lot of team totals here. I don't think we're going to have a team total posted just yet on the Kansas City Royals because that game I don't believe is up just yet because they don't have themselves a starting pitcher. But Baltimore projected to go at Keegan Aiken. Respectfully, he stinks. He's terrible. He's so, 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 so bad. He has given up at least four runs now. In five consecutive starts, he's given up at least three and six straight here. Rarely even makes it to the fifth inning, and he hands it over to a bullpen in Baltimore. That is horrible. Fading the Orioles, usually you're having to lay big numbers is one thing, but going with team totals to their opponents is always an attractive option. That KC lineup at times can bring a little bit of pop to the field. Also, you have a game with the Astros and the White Sox, and I want to bring this one up because the Yankees game, to me, put a little bit of fear in me, Ariel, in being an early better, right? I do the early line. You're here in the morning after. We're getting usually the first glimpses at these numbers, and if lineups are changed drastically or a starting pitcher is changed because all of a sudden COVID impacts any of these other teams, it can really mess up your handicap and therefore mess up the bet that you're looking to make here. So I think you might want to be a little bit cautious hitting this board at least super, super early. One team I'm not worried about, though, is the Houston Astros because none of them went to the All-Star game. And they had All-Stars, but they don't want to be around their peers because they don't like them and they don't want to be around the fans because they don't like them. But good enough, because now I can have a little bit of confidence in this team here. I think they're going to hit today, Ariel. They're going up against Dylan Cease. They have saw him just recently in Houston and got to him pretty comfortably in that baseball game. He only lasted three and a third inning and gave up six earned runs in that game. I think you're going to see the Astros pile on today and you love betting a team total when the team is on the road because you get the full nine at bats which is always valuable there keep keeping yourself in range of as many opportunities as possible there is another strikeout prop that I've had my eye on, and I'm waiting to see what the number is on the Cincinnati starter, Tyler Malley. He's been great with strikeouts. Recently, he's had 6, 7, 7, 8, 12, 6, 8, 8. I mean, he's had a ton of strikeouts in these games. 
Now the question is up against the team such as Milwaukee who has the sixth highest strikeout rate in baseball. It's gone down in the last couple of weeks to just over 24 or to just under 24 percent which ranks 11th in the league. The Brewers haven't been striking out as often. If I could get a six and a half with plus money to the over on Mally, I'd be willing to take it against teams with the top 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers. Mally's had six against Milwaukee, seven against the Cubs, seven against Atlanta, 12 against the Brewers, eight against Chicago, two, uh, two against the Giants, and then five and seven against Chicago and San Francisco. I know it's a lot of numbers, but he has been hitting that over six and a half mark with a lot of teams that have a top 10 K rate against righties, which the Brewers do have. Struck out the Brewers 12 times in a game. It's over six and a half with plus money. I'd be willing to take seven and a half stay away. I know that Jack, our intern, is going over to the Pittsburgh and Mets game this weekend. He's hoping it doesn't rain. Kev, Jack wanted me to tell you he really wanted the entire show to be about the Mets and the Pirates series. What do you think? Well, listen, I would have been all about it. I love his Pirates. They helped me out last Sunday. I bet the game over nine runs. The Mets score five in the first inning. We should cruise. Nothing to worry about here. Four gets us a push. Five gets us a win. Nothing to worry about. The Mets lost that game. Thank goodness, thank goodness for the Pittsburgh Pirates because the Mets deserve to lose that game. They didn't score again. The Mets are a team, for me, that you bet live. They are a headache and a half. They either don't score for the first five innings or they only score in the first two innings. They are a live betting team dream. One more, by the way, I think you could look to would be the athletics in that first five there. Eli Morgan has been miserable for the Cleveland Indians this season. The A's at home, Bassett on the mound, could be a strong play in the first five. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Yanni the Greek, one of the sharpest out in Las Vegas. Stay here on the grid. Your wife called. She wants her husband back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back here in the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Kevin Walsh joining me today from New York City, I'm Ariel Epstein here at the FanDuel Sportsbook in the Meadowlands. I love closing out Fridays with one of my favorite guests here on the show. He's joining us live from Las Vegas. It is Yanni the Greek. Yanni, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Thanks for having me, especially after the week that was, the weekend that was, and now another big weekend ahead with baseball coming back, NBA Finals, big UFC card. So I'm excited to be here and get right at it. Let's dive into the NBA because you said that the adjusted series price is something that you've had some action on. Now, what is it about the adjusted series price that made you want to jump in? We, we actually bet Phoenix in the adjusted series price when they were up 2-1. So prior to game four, we actually laid heavy chalk close to almost 300 embedded at multiple spots that Phoenix wins this series. The teams that were up 2-1 and have home court throughout the, the, the finals 
have gone on and historically won the series well over 85% of the time. So we were on the historical probability side. And that night, game four, there was a lot of short money coming in on Phoenix. Obviously, they lost that in overtime, so it didn't work out our way. But I was uh, happy to see the same group that came in on Phoenix when they were up 2-1 now came in and wants them again at minus 150 or better to win this series. Rather than bet them to win game five, they're betting them bigger for the series again. They really think even now tied 2-2 that Phoenix has a significant advantage of winning two out of three games. And historically, it does line up. You're the home team. You're going to be home for two of those three games, and that's huge. In fact, in the finals, I mean, in the NBA playoffs, just historically, when tied, those teams, 2-2-2, that do have home court advantage, blindly in the playoffs, if you bet those teams from the game five on to win the series, you would have cashed eight out of ten bets. At minus 150, I think we have a ton of value as far as history, and I think even the way these uh, teams have matched up, the X's and O's supported as well. Milwaukee's got the name recognition. I like the Phoenix side. I like the value at minus 150. I bet it myself also. Yanni, here's why I think that makes so much sense. Obviously, it's a lighter number than the Game 5 money line, a little bit more palatable of a price. But if they lose Game 5, they're the best road team in the NBA this season. I have to think that gives you as a better and those like yourself laying that number the confidence that they can then still take game six and you walk into game seven with the home team and project them to then at least protect home court there. And at the very least, they'll be favored. They should be favored in a game seven. And at that point, you could do a little, uh, you know, maneuvering and hedge and try to scalp, catch a middle, scalp your, you know, there'll, there'll be opportunities for you to possibly earn off that equity if we get to a game seven and Phoenix is the favorite. And you could take, you know, the, the points with Milwaukee and cash both tickets had to be a close game seven. Obviously, that would be everything falling in line perfectly. But still, just the fact that you could build that equity, even like you said, if they lose one of those games, they're still not out of it. They're still going to have at least one home game um, I mean, one more shot to add a home game. So, yeah, I, I agree with that bet. Yanni, I have to switch over to the WNBA. I want to get your thoughts as someone who's been in the business for so many years. The WNBA and that All-Star game, it dropped by 55 points on the total, yet the under still ends up cashing. What is it about a line move that significant that, or excuse me, why, why did that line move so significantly? Listen, they were off. Um, it just goes to show you that eventually we need to stop betting a line, meaning the value's gone. Because if it isn't, these sharp bettors, these betting syndicates, if their implied win probability is so off compared to the sports books win probability, rest assured, they're going to keep pounding that number. And that's why I always tell bettors, listen, if you're chasing steam, and you're now getting it a point and a half, two points later, your edge is probably all but gone, if anything. Otherwise, these same groups would still be betting it. They would still see value at the number you want to bet it at. The fact they're no longer doing that should tell you something. That was a perfect example that even though the, the sportsbook was trying to adjust that total down as quickly as possible, they were still so far off than what 
the total these groups that bet WNBA successfully had as what the true number should be, that of course they're going to keep betting it until it gets closer to their number. And that's all that was. It was a bookmaker that had the guts to put out his own number like they do all the time over there. And then everyone else copied that number and had to pay the price for copying the number without ever having booked a bet at that price. That's all that happened there. I don't blame Circa. They did nothing wrong. They did what they're supposed to. Hang up a number and let the market determine which way it's going to move. And this point, they just got it wrong. And the market was able to take advantage of it. I love when that happens. But it's a perfect example of sometimes when the line moves and it stops moving, you need to take a second look and, and wonder why if this was steam, why did the steam stop? You know, and, and maybe you shouldn't place that bet at that number if, if, if the guys that you're re- piggybacking stopped as well. It's just a fascinating sequence of events there. And I love the area mentioned too. Like the game was still under by about 20 points or so. They were never catching up to the original number. I want to just bring it back quickly and involve the series price on the NBA, but compare it to the NBA Finals MVP market, Yanni. The Bucks are plus 125 to win the series. Giannis is a shorter price to win finals MVP on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 110. My question to you, is there any chance that he can come away with this award in a losing effort? No chance. I, I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's precedent, historical precedent of him having this opportunity, but I don't see it. And more importantly, I just don't see any value in that price. It's kind of like Tiger Woods to win a major during those years that everyone bet Tiger Woods to win a major. Granted, he's going to win one, two, maybe three that year. But if you bet him the 15 times he goes out there and golfs, you're not going to make any money off him. Um, I think it's one of those situations where Giannis is just gets so much of the focus of the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's just such an all-star that you're not going to want to give anyone any kind of good price on that. So you, it's hard to find value on a player like that, on a prop like that, unless you find a diamond in the rough. And then you're just throwing darts and, and hoping, you know, the improbable happens. So for me, that's why I, I tend to stay away from those markets because the obvious is always over or underpriced. And unfortunately, more times than not, it's the obvious that gets it. In the Super Bowl, the QB is the MVP. Sure, we always pick, yeah. we look for that special teams guy at 100 to 1 that's going to win the Super Bowl MVP because <laughs> he's going to run back a 99-yard kick return, a punt return, and an interception. But it hasn't happened in 50-plus Super Bowls, or maybe it happened once. I don't know. With all that said, um, it's great to look for those, but, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't turn out into money more times than not. So, unfortunately, Giannis will probably win it if the Bucks win it. But there's just no value to get around it and bet them even if they don't win it. With that said, Yanni, and we're here with Yanni the Greek uh, joining us. Yanni, when it when you do have Giannis at plus 110, shorter odds than the Bucks are to win the NBA Finals, why is Giannis the favorite when the Bucks are not favored to win the series? That's exactly what I just touched on. You nailed it. That, you're... you're quote right there is is a reflection of the inaccuracy of this market and it's it's by design 
it's not by accident. It's, it's, it's exactly what they have to do to protect themselves. Meaning if I know the next 10 guys in line are going to bet me Dallas and I have minus three on the board, I'm going to put four up on the board. I'm going to put four and a half if I'm certain that's what they're going to bet. Even though I have a four and a half percent hold anyway, the reason when the sports books give us their bottom lines every month here, because, you know, if they're, they're public companies and every quarter they put out their numbers, every time their hold's higher than four and a half percent, it's because they shave towards those biases. So we take even more of the worst of it, coupled with bad money management and, and the fact that people are taking parlays and those higher hold type of wagers. Um, again, the, the book's job is, is risk management. And if you have Giannis at two to one, three to one, four to one, that's terrible risk management. At even money, even worse than them to win the series, that's great risk management. Because even if it does happen and, and betters cash that ticket, they're going to quickly pay you because you just cashed the bad bet. And it happens all the time. Just last week, tons of betters cashed Connor, uh, Dustin Poirier tickets at minus 140, minus 145, minus 150. And, and Sean O'Malley tickets at minus 900. And they were showing them all over Twitter <laughs> and all over Instagram. Like they placed good bets because the outcome went their way. When really, they, they couldn't have placed worse bets. The market told us that. I mean, again, I grade a little differently. That I'm not outcome biased because the outcome for me is long term. And if I'm up long term, then obviously my short term decisions were accurate. Um, and historically, I've proven that with my results. Uh, but I'm confident in whether I placed a good bet or a bad bet. And there's good bets that I place that lose all the time. And I've gotten lucky and cashed some bad bets that I've placed as well. But I'm honest with myself when it comes to that. And Giannis, the win MVP, is a bad bet. Win or lose, it's a bad bet. You may cash it, but you didn't place a good bet. Yanni, you mentioned Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. A fascinating outcome. In my opinion, Conor McGregor tends to break the brains of even the smartest MMA minds out there because of their hatred for him, fair or not. He breaks his leg. First fighter I've ever remember breaking their leg and people going, he deserved it. People acting like it didn't happen. Like the assumption that he's never won a fight that went past the first round, even though that's not true. Chad Mendez, Nate Diaz. I have a follow-up question about a potential fourth fight. But Yanni, what did you make of that McGregor-Poirier fight this past weekend? Listen, if Dustin Poirier went out there and did what he was expected to do, what many of us thought he would do, and yet it wasn't a good bet. Like, again, it's strictly outcome bias. And what I mean by that is if you bet Dustin Poirier minus 140 and the line closed minus 160, minus 170, minus 180, I would conclude you made a good bet. But if you didn't get any closing line value, and in fact, you laid a much worse price on the fighter that five months ago you could have got three to one two to one excuse me in that very same spot you can't tell me the value is still there it, just because he won like that argument just doesn't hold because if you thought that poirier was the right side because of the second fight 
did his did his probability of winning change that much? Before that, the market thought he didn't even gonna isn't gonna win that fight one out of three times. And now you're telling me he's gonna win the fight six, six and a half out of ten times? It changed that much off of one fight? Of course not. It's just the perception changed and the market had to reflect that. But it doesn't mean there was any value on the Dustin Poirier side. Otherwise, we would have seen the market close a lot higher than those final tickets. Um, if you had a minus 110 Dustin Poirier, Yanni, then yes, we you do made have, a decent bet. Otherwise, I don't think so. We have to get to break, Yanni. We could talk to you for forever. Yanni the Greek, live from Las Vegas. Thank you for joining us again on this Friday. Thanks for having me. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. segment on the morning after on sports grid thanks for tuning in on sirius xm channel 204 with kevin walsh today in new york city i'm ariel epstein here at the fanduel sportsbook it's time for our best bets of the day let's get to to bet to us part My best bet of the day, I'm also going to be betting in the first five innings, yet my best bet is the over in the game. I'm going over eight and a half runs in this Mariners and Angels game tonight. The Angels at Angel Stadium have the most overs in Major League Baseball, hitting at just over 64%. The Seattle Mariners on the road this year have the second most overs in Major League Baseball, hitting at just over 63%. Then you take it back to all the starting pitching numbers. The starter for the Mariners, Chris Flexen, he is 6-0 over under when pitching on the road. His ERA, a 6.97. Ew. As for Andrew Heaney, the starter for the Angels, his ERA at home, 5.38. Not great. And 12-2 and over-under this season. Plus, these bullpens all are within 19th to 25th in their rankings over the last course of the season. So give me the over in the game. Eight and a half, and the over in the first five of four and a half runs in Seattle and, and the Angels game. Kev, what do you got? I would never show up here and not bet an over, although I am absolutely crestfallen that I wasn't able to do the shimmy. But it is okay. Maybe at some other point that opportunity will arise. I'm taking the Houston Astros team total over four and a half runs here. We mentioned it earlier in the show. They've seen Dylan Cease before, and they hit him Big time. Cease only last three and a third innings. Gave up six earned runs in that game. Walked two batters. Only registered four strikeouts. We mentioned those mid-major match strikeout tens. This Astros team, even if it broke my heart, entered the break red hot. They scored six runs in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Yankees. That was more runs than they had scored in their previous four games combined. This Astros team will hit over four and a half runs today. Thank you for joining us here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Kevin, thank you for filling in for Ben today. It was a pleasure to share these last three hours with you. Have a great weekend. Good luck to everyone's bets. We'll see you on Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern time, right here on the Sports Grid Network. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to.